I'm so excited to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, Pros. Pros is the custom beauty brand that is all over your feed. I had been wanting to try them for so long. And when I tell you guys that I put on my Instagram story that they were going to be sponsoring the podcast, I got so many genuine organic responses from my following of people being like, oh my God, I love Pros. I've been using it for years. So don't even just take it from me, but take it from the genuine people that reached out agreeing with me about how much they love Pros. And when Pros says custom, they actually mean it. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. One of the coolest parts of the questionnaire that I thought was they literally asked me about my location and my zip code so that they could understand how hard the water is here, what the UV index is like, if it's cold, if it's dry, and all of that goes into these truly personalized products. Pros even did a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, and Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. So try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering the Artie Friends listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros, P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Artie Friends. That's pros.com slash Artie Friends for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash Artie Friends. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hello, and welcome back to the Artie Friends Podcast. I'm Allison. This is Kara. And today we have on Kara's brother, Brady, but we will introduce him in a second. First, we're going to catch up as we do, do our peaks of the week, and then we'll get into it. Yes. Allison, what are you up to? Give us a tea. What am I up to? Um, <laughs> mm, I just have, oh, I finished 75 hard. That that's probably a big thing. <gasps> Wait, that is the first thing we need to say. Um, yeah, I don't know what. Congrats! Thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel at this point I've posted it all over Instagram and TikTok, so you guys probably already know if you follow me. So I hate to be annoying and say it for a third time, but <laughs> I, I feel like I talk about it the most on the podcast. So yes, I finished and it was great, and I have a lot of thoughts. I honestly, maybe I don't even know how we would do this. Maybe something on the Patreon, but I have a lot to say on it. I'm not even going to get into it because it's just too expansive. But besides Mm -hmm. that, the last week, I've just kind of enjoyed um, doing more things around the house and with New Wave. And I've still worked out once per day. I've still stayed sober. I've stayed plant-based slash vegan, whatever you want to call it. And then I've been drinking like 100 ounces of water. So I'm still trying to maintain that lifestyle, but tone down the two workouts per day. And Mm -hmm. yeah, feeling pretty good. Um, What about you? That's awesome. Again, 
Huge congrats. Because so many people have to start over or never finish it. Because 75 days, that is actually so long. (laughs) Yeah. I started in early, mid-July. Wow. Yeah. It was a long time. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So impressive. I told Allison, she was like, do you think you'd have it? And I'm like, at this point right now, like I would just fail. So I'm not going to like do it now because I just know I couldn't do it. But yeah, at some point. I'll be your 75 hard coach now hiring. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be great. I live in your house for 75 days. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You've got it. Let's go. (laughs) Get outside, girl. Go. Go Do your workout outside. Let's go. No. It's like blizzarding. Um, (laughs) It has to be outside. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Um, Okay. What I've been up to, I'm traveling again for work. So I am currently in Door County, Wisconsin, Sturgeon Bay. We're staying in a renovated bed and breakfast. They, I guess they shut down last year during COVID, this bed and breakfast. So someone bought it and made it like a massive vacation rental. So it's like a bed and breakfast, but it's just like a rented out just for our group, which is really cool. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm in like a private room and it feels like a hotel style room, but we can all be in this building by ourselves, which is really fun. <laughs> It is fun and way more charming. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's super nice, super cute. And like has, it's right on the water in Sturgeon Bay. So we pulled in right at sunset, got to watch the sunset. It was so pretty, but yeah, here for a video shoot again for beautiful destinations and visit the USA. (laughs) The only thing I do these days, (laughs) I think that's been on like every episode the last month. Hey, I mean, it's a cool thing to be doing every week. Yeah, definitely. It's the dream. It's the dream job. So yeah, on the road and... What else is new? How about you give us your peak of the week? What was your peak of the week? Okay. I actually have a great peak of the week. So I sold the Sebring, my (gasps) old car that I had for 11 years, 154,000 miles that I put on her. So I've got to tell the story because it's fantastic. So I had that car from 15 to 26. And when I was like 23, the AC broke, which was a huge factor me wanting to sell this car, but I got my new car in April, but I didn't want to sell my old Sebring at the beginning of the summer because I thought that that would just be cruel and unusual punishment to whoever I sold that to. I just morally could not do that. And I also was too attached to the car, was not ready to let go because when I got my new car, it's kind of funny how it happened. Basically, Clay actually had a 2017 car and he went through an intersection, T-boned a car, totaled his car. So then he had to get a new one. And he was out shopping for cars and I was with him. And then he picked out this nice white BMW car. And I was like, what the heck? Why are, this is not fair. I am so happy for you. (laughs) Yes, definitely get the white car, but you've been driving like a brand new car this whole time. Like I'm the one whose car is like ready to go and I need a new one. So then we like go inside and Clay's buying his car. And I just say to the salesman, I was like, I think I would like a white BMW SUV. And the guy's like, ding, 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 ding. Okay. And I was like, uh, white tan leather interior, please. And a sunroof. And he, he's like, all right, there's one. Would you like it? And I was like, yes, let's do it. Like, that's how my new car happened. It was very fast, very spontaneous. And so I just like, wasn't ready to sell my old car right when I got the new one. Um, so months passed. Finally, last week I was like, okay, I'm ready. I posted on my Instagram story and this girl was like, I've kind of been waiting for you to sell it. My sister wants it. My mom can come and take a look at it. Cause the girl who actually bought it lives in Seattle. And 
they were like, okay, but we kind of would like the AC fixed. And I was like, yeah, that's super fair. I, th- I think most people would. Um, so I'll do that for you. So they come, they look at the car, they're like full yes. So I'm like calculating. I'm like, oh, this is going to be like $1,000. Like AC fixes are, are bad. So I get the appointment. I go in. The AC was never broken. It was only out of Freon. And my dumbass didn't check. I tried putting a can of Freon in it that you get from like the store. It's like kind of like fake Freon. But yeah, the entire total, they, you know, figured out that there was no leak, put a pound of Freon in it, did a few other small things, $180. (laughs) You're joking. And I drove around for three years with no AC in my old car when it it worked. It was never broken. The pain that I had to endure for like an hour in your car. <laughs> Everyone well, that I knows. happily paid you $180. <laughs> I know. As I tell this story, like, to- you were in like 110 degree heat in like El Paso, Texas. And I'm like, that's a faint. Uh, I know. And it was no, that is so crazy. That's so, so bad. As I, I reveal the story, financial compensation. Yes, seriously. Yes, my mom, Clay, Jordan are all like, "Dude, <laughs> yeah. I had to sit in that thing all the time." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. It was bad." <laughs> oh, she <But> missed. <laughs> if it wouldn't have been quote unquote broken, I wouldn't have got a new car. And the new car mm-hmm. has leveled me up in all the ways. New car is why yeah. I started 75 hard. That's why I went sober. Like got the car on April 16th, went sober April 17th. So really it all had to happen. Clay just had to T-bone that car on that intersection. It all works out. <laughs> wow. And your car camping, I'm sure, is more comfortable. Has been elevated. Yes. Yeah. So that is what's going on <laughs> in my neck of the wood. What is your peak of the week? That is so funny. I would have never expected that. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad it was that. Um, my peak of the week... Fun story too. Well, this trip has been fun. We got to go to Chicago for one of the stops for this trip. And I have so many friends because I went to the University of Missouri and that's pretty close to Chicago. So a lot of Mizzou students, when they graduate, they move to Chicago. So I got to see so many of my college friends. That was awesome. Um, Peak of the week is like just around that. Like everyone that I have interacted with the past week have just been so nice, so fun. Like the energy is just like so good. And it's just been kind of a stressful trip like a lot of driving a lot of logistics that fall on me to figure out but like just the people here like that we're with have been so great and fun story our talent for the shoot Hania and Rogelio they're two daughter dad um duo but literally found me because I posted about this trip um that I was casting for talent on my Instagram story like I think I posted like Hey, if you were the girl that messaged me like a couple weeks ago, like I'm trying to find your DM, I can't find it. And it wasn't Hania, but she messaged me and she like shot her shot and was like, wait, this wasn't me, but like I'm free these dates. And like, I would love to do this shoot. And turns out the girl that I, I was like looking for a DM couldn't do it. So this girl who like I was, I didn't reach out to, she messaged me, like ended up becoming our talent and like getting to go on this trip. So I think the moral of the story, and she's awesome. And like her dad's so fun. Like I think we're having too much fun, honestly. Like we are having the best time. Moral of the story, put yourself out there because she would not be here if she didn't send me that message and be like, hey, I know I'm not qualified for this at all, but like if you need someone, I'm available. And yeah, we're having a great time. So. Wow. That's amazing. 
Yeah. Such serendipitous timing. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the things with like all my shoots and stuff, it's just like the right timing, talking to the right person. So always put yourself out there. Never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think that's a good reminder that you, as someone who's like scouting the talent, needs the talent as bad as the talent wants the gig. (laughs) And in the same way that like a sorority needs members for the sorority house, that jobs need people to run their companies. So just know your value because you did. If you ever feel small, just like know that you have more power in every situation than you realize. Like negotiating your salary at work, like these opportunities where you might feel like you aren't the right fit. Like you are way way more powerful than you'll ever realize. So, and what's the worst that could happen? They just say no or they leave you on red. It's okay. (laughs) They ghost you. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, that's my peak, but let's read your guys' peaks of the week. I can go first. Yeah, go ahead. Nikki, Nikki, you said my birthday was this week. I went on a boat tour in Hawaii and got to spend part of the day reflecting and journaling in solitude, which is such which is such sacred and cherished time for me. Also signed up for the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, which is so exciting. Wow, I, so many fun things. <laughs> amazing. Nikki is an angel. Congratulations, Nikki. I'm so proud of you and your growth. You're an amazing young woman and happy late birthday. Yes, and happy birthday. Yeah, and the, and the Institute of Integrative Nutrition is what Jordan did, right? Yes. So if Jordan's you guys- Allison's best friend. Want to listen to the episode with Jordan. It was one of our earlier episodes. It's amazing. Um, it's one we get messages about a lot and Jordan still gets messages about. We talked about holistic health, morning routines, balance. It's just all around a great episode to a little self-help. Yes. So definitely go check that out. But again, that sounds so fun. Love Hawaii. Love Hawaii. Have a great time. I am going to read this one from Trudy. She said, been following New Wave since the beginning and finally got to check it out last weekend. Makes my whole day. I feel like we've had quite a few of these come in through the peak of the week and I just smile. Makes me so happy. And also a memo, if I ever say you guys come into the store and I don't know you by name or something, Please do not take it personally. I obviously am very nice and welcoming to everyone, but I talk to so many girlies every day. And for the first year, half you guys had masks on. So trying to like piece mm. people that I used to know or maybe the people that live in Omaha or people that are coming from Instagram, like it's just so hard. But know that I'm very thankful for you no matter what, even if I am not sure you are. <laughs> yeah, and always say hi, right? Like, yeah, yes. Like- to know yes. in person if someone's commuting from like Minnesota or like a different state, right? Yes, 100%. Yeah. So then, yeah. I mean, that's how we had Sid on. Like if Sid didn't say like, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, I came up from Kansas City. And when we were in Kansas City, I wouldn't have known to be like, hey, Sid, come on the pod. Mm-hmm. Networking. Yeah, special. Exactly. Which, great segue. <laughs> great segue. So. we talk about on today's episode, so. I will let Kara introduce today's guest since... She is the closest to him. <laughs> yes. Quite literally. So, quite literally. Close in age, close in name. Yep, we're related. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so today's guest is my older brother, Brady Kirkpatrick. Just a quick little bio about Brady. He graduated from the University of Missouri as well, a math major and major and minors in business and sales. He is a certified financial planner for Krilogy 
It's a company based in St. Louis. So he actually works remote and gets to travel, but will sometimes go into the St. Louis office, which is awesome because that's where I live now. And he just switched with this company recently. So I'm getting to see him more in Missouri, which is so fun. But a little more about Brady. He helps people with their finances. He helps people with their taxes, preserving their income and investing for retirement. Other fun things. He loves golfing, which we'll talk about. (laughs) and has a funny story. He's just really personable. And I love that about him. Like it's not boring, dry information about finances. Like it's fun and he's young and he's into going out and doing fun things and traveling and stuff. So he was like, I feel like people are going to think this is boring. I'm like, no, like you're interesting and like charismatic. You're telling this financial advice in such a good way that is consumable and easy to digest and understand. So yeah, this is a really good episode. Yeah, exactly. And we thought it would be very important to have him on because we're constantly talking about all the things, traveling and, you know, buying houses and credit cards and all the stuff. So for us to make it more tangible, we wanted to give you sound advice from a certified financial planner so that it wasn't just Karen and I blowing steam in your ears. (laughs) And maybe saying things were like, maybe that wasn't good advice. We're not sure. (laughs) Precisely. Without further ado, here, yeah, precisely. Without further ado, here is my brother Brady. Thank you for having me. We are very excited to finally have the third of fourth Kirkpatrick siblings on the podcast today. The eldest of the Kirkpatricks. And obviously the best, right? (laughs) The best as well. Yes, correct. (laughs) All right. True. Just kidding. (laughs) uh, Brady is a certified financial planner. So we are going to first. Let him share his peak of the week. Then we're going to get into the nuts and bolts. And we have a few talking points. And I think we'll just let him roll with it because we don't have as much expertise on the topic. Yeah. We like to spend money for Wesley. (laughs) (laughs) Help your sisters out here. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. Uh, So peak of the week. Peak of the week. Peak of the week. So I got to go to Greenville, South Carolina about a week ago to see my family And my dad and I were fortunate enough to golf with a random twosome. And of course, we got paired with a 78-year-old and an 85-year-old lady. (laughs) So we were golfing with them (laughs) for the first nine holes. They gave us snacks. And on the about the 12th hole, this 78-year-old lady, she chips in from about 55 yards out for birdie. And she says, in my senior ladies league, if we chip in for birdie, we take a shot. Pulls out of a flask of cherry vodka at 12 o'clock on a Monday. Proceeds to pour shots for all of us. And that was the highlight of my week. That old woman is living. Oh, they golf three times a week. They're enjoying retirement. Good for them. Wow. That is a good peak. And that's what happens when you save kids. When you save. That is true. Good segue. That is really good. Great segue. Let's talk about money. All right. Well, do you want to make your statement first? Um, Yeah. So... Before I talk about anything, I have to give out some disclosure or else my attorney will get really mad at me. So my firm, Crillogy, has a disclosure and I'll read it off really quickly. Investment advisory services offered through Crillogy Financial and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Crillogy Financial, its employees and financial advisors cannot provide tax or legal advice. This material has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or financial advice. You should consult your attorney or qualified tax and investment advisor regarding your situation. Investors should understand the risks involved of owning investments. 
Investment risks include loss of principal and fluctuating value. There's no guarantee an investing strategy will be successful. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. That's the worst part of the podcast. All I have to say. It it will be dumbed down from there. Hopefully. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So let's take it back all the way to young Brady. Were you always into money? (sighs) Yes. Um, I've always been into saving. I've always been a numbers guy. I think when I was younger, I always had done a good job of like tracking my expenses and where my money was going. So I think it was just kind of like a, a habit I always had, but I never knew I wanted to do anything with finance. And at what point, Kara? What do you Sorry, have to say, Kara? Yeah. I had to take a picture. Kara's sneaking <laughs> pics of us. Um, no, so yeah, Brady, I can, I can vouch. Always money guy. I feel like you're making us pay you for things in the house if we borrowed it of yours. I always knew what was coming in and what was going out. Oh whether God. I was loaning someone or if I owed someone, I always knew where it was. <laughs> I mean, proper older brother. Someone's got to take charge here. Someone's got to pay the bills in the house. Okay. And in high school, I was like one math class ahead of the grade. Brady was like three. He was like literally in your senior or junior year, you and like two other people were in math class because it was the highest math class at our school. And it was only like you and one other person, right? Yeah. And she dropped. So I was the only one with the teacher. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> well, that says a lot. Probably got a good education I, doing that. Yeah. Got a nice uh, head start in college. I think a lot of juniors were confused why a freshman was in their math class, but yeah. And definitely the teacher helped. liked baking and he would bake brownies for Brady. <laughs> uh, March 14th, AKA Pi Day is the best day in the, in the uh, year. In the math world. In the math world, yes. yes. To be by yourself in a class with a baker teacher. <laughs> Do you celebrate that he at the firm? He did love his pies. What's that? <laughs> Do you celebrate pie day at the firm? Every pie day. Really? Oh, no, we don't. But oh. I do I do for myself. <laughs> My goodness. Okay. Okay. So you were great at finances. You were very smart, accelerated math student, got an early start on college. Did you pick your major of finance right out of the gate? So I actually, with like a head start on math, I continued and went towards a math degree, not really knowing what mm. I wanted to do. At first, I wanted to be an actuary, which in short summary is you're pretty much doing a lot of statistics to help provide quotes for like insurance companies is what most actuaries do. And it was about sophomore slash junior year that I realized I didn't want to sit behind a computer all day. So I picked up a business minor and a sales minor figuring like, you know, if I do these, I could figure out what to do when I graduate. Maybe it's going to point me in a different direction. And I didn't know what I was going to do until the week before I graduated. I had met another financial advisor who was the CEO of a large firm in St. Louis. And he pretty much just told me, we talked for probably about an hour and a half. And he told me like, not only does the job require a lot of analytics, but it's a lot of like people skills and like making sure that you're not only like advising them on their finances, but taking care of like them and their families and making sure they stick to like their goals and values. And that's where I was like, this is where I can use my analytical skills, but also like change people's lives. And that's literally like from when I met that guy, that's when I decided I want to be a financial planner. Because you want to work more with people and not just find a screen. Correct. Nice. It's like a good combination of like having analytical skills, but also being able to use that knowledge and background to help people who need it. Yeah. In a much more tangible way that you can really see. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I love that. So. Kara, did you have anything that you want to add about the background or do you think we can move on to? I mean, maybe give us some fun facts. What do you like to do on the weekends? Maybe just give your little sales pitch of who you are. (laughs) On the personal side. All right. Personal side. (laughs) Honestly, like 
I'm pretty lame. I feel like when I'm in Omaha, because when I'm in Omaha, I feel like the more stuff I get done and the more productive I am, the more freedom it gives me to travel and have a more flexible schedule. So, I mean, like I still like to see my friends and, you know, get drinks, go to happy hours, play a lot of golf, but I feel like I prioritize like my work, fitness and kind of like meal planning before anything else, just because I feel like if I have all that in line and something pops up and I want to, you know, spontaneously go to Costa Rica with my two sisters, like we did in March, there's just a lot more flexibility when you have like all your ducks in a row and you're on top of things versus like trying to scramble and get everything done last minute or just falling behind in general. But yeah, I would say when I'm in town, definitely like to see friends golf, but I like to keep my priorities straight too. Oh, I think that's a perfect segue into the first topic we wanted to talk about was your value system and like taking a hold of what you value in life, making sure you're putting that as your priority, saying yes and no when it's appropriate. So yeah, Allison, did you want to ask Brady about about that? Yeah. When I asked Brady to come on, I was saying that a lot of times people get afraid of budgets and what they value. They think that if you hire a financial planner, that means you can't spend any money and you just have to save everything. And one of the first things Brady said was like, it's really just all about figuring out what you value. Do you want to dive into that? Yeah, I would... I would agree with you, Allison. It's more about figuring out like where your values are. And it's not our job to tell you to save, save, save. It's our job to help you find a balance of spending and saving because I don't want my clients to save for 30 years and then they get to retirement and all of a sudden they have you know health problem or cancer or a heart attack and they don't even get to spend or enjoy their life. So it's really about finding that balance of being able to save and being able to spend. And like a good rule of thumb if you're just starting out or just trying to figure out like your initial budget is to go by like the 50 30 20 rule and I think Allison might know this. I feel like you're pretty good with your finances. So the wow, 50 30 20 you. rule is basically 50% of your income is allocated towards your needs, so like rent, food, um, you know, clothing, all your basics. 30% you want to allocate towards like your wants, whether that's like, you know, going out to the bars or golfing or traveling, whatever you want to do that allows you to enjoy life. And then try to keep that other 20% towards saving, whether it's for, you know, to buy a home or retirement or any long-term expenses. I feel like if you start with that like golden rule, it's a really good starting point to figure out like, where's my money going? Am I saving 20%? So... Yeah. I think a good question is how do you figure out what you value? Yeah. Like where does someone even begin? Is that commonly the first talking point when you have a client that you're like, okay, we got to figure out what you want here? It is sometimes. I think I would say about half the time people kind of understand their values and where they're at. But for younger people, I don't think they've really figured that out yet. So it's really hard for me to help them figure out their values. But like what I do is I try to ask the questions to help them figure it out themselves. I can give an example. like. I guess I have a client who's nearing retirement and she's like, well, I don't want to do nothing all day. Like I want to be able to still like be productive and like help people in need, but like I want to make money doing it. And I asked her like, what does that look like? I mean, what, what do you envision yourself doing? And she kind of came to the conclusion that after like thinking more about it, that she wanted to like work with a nonprofit and that way she's still getting paid to like work with a charity, but she's also giving back to her greater good by spending her time with uh, like a nonprofit organization. So I would say it's not as much as me helping them find their values, but helping, I guess, give them the right questions so they can figure out their values. Okay, totally. I feel like a question, maybe this wouldn't work, but if someone handed me $5,000, if I had to be like, how would I spend that? That'd be like a frame of reference for value. 
Because if you immediately are thinking like, oh, I'm just going to do the whole thing shopping, then clearly you really care about shopping. You yeah. don't care about going out to the bars. You don't care about eating like healthier foods. Well, in that situation, I think it's more about, you know, determining, do you prioritize like your finances now? Do you have like future long-term goals? Like, do you want to save for a home or, you know, retire early? Because yes, you can go spend that $5,000 now and it's totally your decision, but you also got to understand that's going to, you know, really cause you to revisit and give up some sacrifices in the long term. And I've had clients who've done that where they live and spend for 10 to 15 years and they're in their 40s and 50s now. And all of a sudden they're way behind on retirement and it's a lot harder to catch up because they don't have as many years to figure it out. Would you find that most people are living paycheck to paycheck? Absolutely. Yes. What's the stat in America? It's pretty bad. I don't have the exact numbers on that one, but it is pretty bad. I know the average person that's nearing retirement has like, I want to say it's less than $100,000 in savings, which sounds like a lot. But if you're making 40 grand a year, you know, $100,000 in savings is not going to replace your income when you retire. That's only two years. Yeah, exactly. So, and you want to be doing stuff when you're retiring, mm -hmm. not just sitting on the couch. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I would just say like the biggest piece of advice is to, Kind of back to that golden rule. Like if you're starting out from day one, try to figure out a way to save 20% of your income. I always say to try to get at least 10% towards retirement and then 10% towards any other long-term savings, whether it's still retirement, maybe it's a home, a car, um, but always try to at least be saving 20%. It's going to really help you over the long term. Because it's true. Like the best thing you have is time, right? Yeah, with finances, totally. Have you seen those uh, longevity charts where if you say put $5,000 into a Roth IRA when you're 18 versus what it looks like if you start doing that when you're 28 even? I mean, obviously you have, but yeah, so for the listeners. Allison's kind of referring to like compound interest. If you start with $100 today and it grows to $110 next year, all of a sudden, if the market grows even more, it's growing off that $110 that you have instead of starting a year later and starting with 100 And you compound that every year on top of each other for you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And if you're adding to it every year, it's really going to help you. Mind-blowing how much that can go up. My dad made me start contributing to a Roth. I don't know if you have much to say about Roths. I'm sure a lot, but I can go in there and log in and be like, oh my God, I don't even have to put money in. I mean, I should put more in, but it still just keeps going up. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend Ross? So I can't recommend Ross for everyone because some people are ineligible for them. But the nice thing about a Roth IRA, what Allison's referring to and what a lot of people do when they're starting out in their career is you can contribute up to $6,000 to a Roth every year. And that money grows tax-free for the rest of your life. And when you pull it out for retirement, it's tax-free. So it's honestly like one of the best accounts you can have but it's not always the best for everyone. If you're in like a higher tax bracket, it's kind of mm. something to consider. But um, for most people, you know, being able to save in your Roth is definitely a kind of like a Swiss army knife because when you pull that money out, you don't pay taxes on it. Whereas if you invested in like any other type of account, let's say you start with $100 and it grows to $300. When you sell it and pull that money out, you're paying taxes on that gain that you had. So like to compare it to the Roth, if you had it in a Roth, you would not pay taxes on that money. Which is huge. I think when you're young, you don't really concept how much taxes really affect things and why older people are always constantly bickering about taxes and why <laughs> political parties are so divided by taxes. But when you get older, you're like, oh, taxes actually can like make or break my entire business and life and they can be huge. Yeah, absolutely. And 
one thing too that I'd recommend for anyone anyone listening to this is to immediately like look into, you know, do you have a 401k available? Are you eligible to set up like a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA? Just get familiar with like how those accounts work because when you're saving for retirement, those are going to be the probably the best accounts available to you. Yeah, for example, when I got my first big girl job out of college was Beautiful Destinations. That was like the first thing Brady asked me. Well, I think I went to you and I was like, help. I have money now, like actual consistent income. What do I do? I want to do this right. And you asked me, they're like, do they have a 401k, which they had a program, but they didn't match it. So you kind of advised me like to do that Roth IRA, which you kind of talked about, but like, do you want to explain like why you don't advise or why you wouldn't advise me to do that if they don't match the 401k? I can't remember. Or we can skip that. I can't remember your, yeah, I can't remember your exact situation. Um, but on that note, I would say for anyone like getting their first job or starting out or even anyone who's been working and has employee benefits, make sure you review those either with like someone who has experience. A lot of people ask their parents as a financial planner. That's something I help almost all my clients with is understanding like their employee benefits. And we'll pretty much walk them through like with what they're signed up and what they're not signed up with and show them what opportunities are there? What are we missing out on? Like, what can we take advantage of that's not in your employee benefits that maybe you can go find in like the open marketplace? So yeah, definitely take a look at your employee benefits, especially the 401k, because, you know, those can be huge if something ever happens to you or, you know, you might be getting a company match, kind of like Kara said she wasn't getting, but a lot of companies will match your contribution, which is pretty much free money. If you sign up for the 401k, if you don't sign up, you're not getting that match. So just be cautious of, or be aware, I should say, of what your employee benefits look like. I'm going to take it a step down to explain it for someone who maybe has no idea what a 401k is. So when your company goes to pay your paycheck, rather than giving you the money, they put it into your 401k, correct? And if they're going to price match it, they would take that contribution that's getting cut from your paycheck, match it with the you know, what is sometimes it's up to five, six percent. And then they would set that aside. Correct. Yeah. So it's, you're not, they're not giving it to you and then you have to go put it somewhere else. Your company will do that for you. And then if you were to ever leave that job and you want it out, then you can do what Brady's saying where you're going to have to pay taxes on it or some penalties. But hopefully, even if you keep switching jobs, the 401k is the same bucket, no matter what job, like throughout your whole life, you can keep going to different jobs and it'll all be going in the same bucket. Mm -hmm. And yeah, kind of on that note, like if you start a job and start a 401k, most 401ks will let you roll over to your new job so you can keep them all in one account. Don't ever think like, I'm not going to be here for more than three or five years. So I don't want to start a 401k. You want to definitely be saving as much as you can every year for retirement, you know, up to that 10 or 20%, whatever your goal is. And you can always roll those accounts and consolidate them if you need to. So it's a good point. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) I feel like we should roll it back to like kind of what I was saying. Like I just graduated college to set myself up for success at 22, 23. Because like I said, I had heard that time is the best thing you can have. And I feel like budgeting, would you say that's a big part of setting yourself up for success? Yes. Budgeting is like (laughs) the word budget. I just hate because I think it has a bad, kind of a bad meaning along alongside it. I think a lot of people think budgeting is for people who are either not making money or poor, which is very wrong. But I like to call it a spending plan just to kind of make it more like at ease and less. I feel like budget is just kind of a weird word sometimes. I always call it a spending plan. Basically, like what you want to try to do is have an idea of what your expenses are each month 
and what your income looks like and try to keep that as a positive, keep that as like a positive cash flow each month. So if your paycheck is, let's just say three grand a month, you should have a good idea of like what your regular expenses are, like rent, insurance, uh, maybe a car payment, food, and then try to factor in like what are your regular expenses, like maybe getting a haircut or you know doing your nails or whatever you guys talk about on this show sometimes. <laughs> um, matcha, <laughs> yeah, those oat milk matcha lattes. So yeah, gotta factor those in. <laughs> but yeah, if you can keep, if you can keep you know, your expenses less than your income and start saving and adding to your bank account each month. That'll give you the flexibility to, you know, travel or buy a new car, or buy a home without having to not only like drain your bank account down, but also like put yourself into debt. And if you can, you know, review your budget at least like quarterly or monthly and just be on top of it, you don't have to be in the weeds every time. But as long as you know that your bank account's going up or if it's going down and you need to fix it, um, just be like aware of that. I think you said something there. That seems so obvious when stated, but people don't really think about it. You have to earn more than you spend. And so much of our culture just spends and then doesn't really think about actually what they're spending. It's just like, oh, credit card, oh, money, spent it. And then rent rolls around and you're like, oh, shit. I just feel like consumer culture, social media culture, Instagram culture has made people think, spend first, deal with it later. And really detrimental to have that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone just gets caught up with like, you know, what are my friends doing? Like, what am I seeing on, you know, social media? Like, what am I missing out on? But at the end of the day, I mean, the people who, a lot of people who are spending and look like they're having a fantastic and like exciting life aren't always financially stable and aren't, and you know, that can cause a lot of stress for them or their family. And I don't think you should get caught up in like what's happening on social media or what your neighbors are up to or your friends. Um, really just try to get more focused on like your finances, especially, you know, like as you're getting out of college and starting out, because if you have a good starting point, it's a lot easier to kind of like shape those habits. And um, if you ever like get a girlfriend or get married, it's a lot easier to kind of like keep your finances in order versus the opposite where you're in a deep hole, you're in a lot of debt, and now you got to dig out of it. And it's going to take not only years to figure out, but a huge psychological and emotional change as well. Because if you're spending and living like a frivolous lifestyle, it's going to be a lot of work to go back and take steps back and sell, you know, luxurious items that you bought in the past that you really shouldn't have. Yeah. That you couldn't afford. Exactly. And I think Instagram culture makes people think that a Dior bag is within people's budgets. But if you're only making $3,000 a month, a luxury handbag is absolutely not in your budget in any way. And it just hurts me when I see people trying to keep up. There was this guy when I was in college that would always uh, buy bottle service and people thought like, dude, he's so rich. Like maybe his parents are giving him money. And then he came out after we graduated and he was like, guys, like I'm so proud. Like I finally paid off my 40K in uh, credit card debt. And it's just like, for what? Like, why did you do that? Like now he was just like basically like slaving away at work the last year Mm -hmm. doing nothing because he racked up 40 grand in debt in college. And- it's not fun when you have to pay off things like that. Exactly. And you don't have to like live that type of lifestyle. Like you can still go out, have fun, like keep within your budget and not have to worry about like getting swallowed in debt or spending more than you spending more than you're making. Like I'm never telling people to, you know, save every dollar and, you know, avoid doing anything fun. Like I said earlier, it's it's about finding that balance of, you know, let's figure out what I need to save each month, what needs to go into what accounts, and then what's left over for me to 
you know, do fun things. And if, it, if there's nothing left over, you got to find a way to either make more money or cut some expenses. What is the best way to be tracking your spending and analyzing what needs to go or just like keeping an eye on your expenses? What's the best way you think? Allison, what's your favorite way to track your expenses? A good old Google Drive. Spreadsheet? Yeah. I don't have a best recommendation, but I know people that use spreadsheets. Personally, I like to use an app. It's called Mint. So you can link all your bank accounts, credit cards, mortgages, investment accounts, and it shows you like your assets, your liabilities. It'll show you like where all your expenses are going each month. And you can even categorize them by like what's groceries, what's housing related, what's you know, gym expenses. And then it like gives you kind of like a pie chart of like where all your money's going and you can really get a good idea without having to like manually enter it in an Excel sheet every month. But either way it works. I know people that love the Excel sheets. I know people that like to use the more like technological apps, Um, but there's a lot of options out there. So I think the apps are really user-friendly for younger people. Cause like you said, it can be really time consuming to enter in all of that stuff and seeing it visually on the pie charts going back to your rule of 50, 30, 20, it can really help you like, oh, wow, my percentages are very off kilter here. Yeah. And like, you don't have to get that into the weeds. Like me personally, like I, I actually budget probably about only three or four times a year, but I check all my accounts at least maybe once or twice a month just to see like, is the balance going up? Is it going down? Like, so I have a general idea of if I'm making progress or if I'm falling behind and if I'm falling behind, then I know to like go revisit the budget, go revisit where like where am I putting my money? What accounts is it going into? So like you don't have to budget, you know, five times a month. It's really just about getting like a plan in place, having a good understanding of like what your regular and irregular expenses are. And then that way, like, you know, in the back of your mind, you can see generally like, are you going up the mountain or are you going down the mountain? Kara, how often do you check your bank account balances? I feel like I'm the uh, outlier. Not enough. <laughs> not enough. I mean, I have Mint. I also tried You Need a Budget is another good website, but I think I just, it doesn't really matter what you're using. I think you just need to make sure you're checking it. So I do scroll through my bank account statements at least like once a month and just try to look at every charge and just make sure I'm not getting charged for things. Also trying to make sure I'm not like spending too much. but. I do like Mint. It's really nice that they categorize things and you can, it'll be like, you spent $100 more on shopping than you wanted to, like on clothes and stuff, which I definitely appreciate seeing that that way. I'm inspired. Maybe I'll get Mint. Yeah, it does give you actually pretty good notifications. Like I know I get notified if there's ever like a fee charge that's mm-hmm. abnormal. Mm-hmm. Um, that way if like some credit cards trying to charge you a fee or you buy something and they're charging you an extra fee or something that alerts you on stuff like that, which I find pretty helpful. But Be aware of, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm a psychopath. I check my bank account every single day. My two main credit cards, my bank account are joint. And I check every single day. That's good. That's not nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's honestly a personal preference. Like if you know, if you know what's going in, what's going out and you like having control and just like always knowing what's happening, there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like it's like my email. Like I'm, just pop in and I'm like, oh, everything's good. Or damn, that that charge hit today. I see how it is. No, I think that's I awesome. I want to ask a little bit more about credit cards because Allison and I have definitely talked about credit cards in here and we might be a little guilty for maybe talking like too nonchalantly about them because Allison and I are both like pretty responsible, I would say. Like, 
do not spend outside our means, especially you, Allison. Like you're really good with your finances, but like what things should people look out for when they're first getting into using credit cards or just like any general advice you have for young people with credit cards? Credit cards are tricky because a lot of people say they'll get them just for the points and all the and all the benefits and perks, which is great. But a lot of the time they forget why they originally got them and they end up just spending it because they have that credit available to them. So what I mean by that is it's a lot easier to spend something on your credit card knowing you'll just pay it off later and just charge it to the card versus, you know, if you have a debit card, you have to know like, okay, how much have I spent this month? Like what's in my bank account? It's something that's like an immediate thought. Psychologically, the reason credit card companies make their money is because they know people will spend more. So I think credit cards are good and bad, but just be cautious. You know, are you paying it off every month? Are the points and rewards you're receiving, you know, worth the credit card fee and the spending you're doing? I mean, there's no like right or wrong answer for credit cards. It's really dependent on like the type of person who's using them, but there's no free lunch in this world. So don't ever think that you're actually getting free flights or free points or free perks. Like there's definitely money being made somewhere, whether you're spending more than you normally would, or they're charging you a you know, a hefty annual fee. So just make sure you know, like what's, you know, what's all part of the credit card? What are the points? You know, are you paying it off every month? Like I kind of stretched that one out a little bit, but. No, no, that's a good answer. How would someone know that they're ready for a credit card? How would someone know if they're ready for a credit card? Like thinking about those other categories, like is it once they've kind of got a budget established? Is it once they have a solid set income? Yeah, I would say if you're initially looking for a credit card and no one ever needs a credit card. It's not like you should feel like you absolutely need one. They're really good to help build credit, um, which is important. But don't ever feel like you need to get a credit card to kind of succeed financially. There's other ways to build credit, like paying for utilities or you know uh, taking a loan out on a car or leasing a car. There's there's other ways to do it. But I would say before you get a credit card, make sure you're on top of your budget. Make sure you are regularly seeing your bank account go up each month. Um, those are just like all good signs that like you're saving, your budget's in order. And if you get a credit card and all of a sudden you see your bank account going down, it's just easier to be aware that, hey, I got this credit card. All of a sudden I'm like spending more than I usually do. Um, why am I doing that? So that's probably one good starting point to think of is just like be be cautious of your budget. Keep paying attention to like your bank accounts as you're getting your first credit card. But also on that note, make sure you review like all the benefits and perks with the credit card, like any fees associated, any like terms involved like are you you know required to be with this credit card company for a certain amount of years um, I know there's some that offer like zero percent interest if you move your loans over there like how soon do you have to pay them off within um, there's a lot of kind of disclosures and disclaimers when you sign up for a credit card so just be aware of what you're getting yourself into and there are so many credit cards so it should be an intentional decision because how how often should you apply for a new credit card? If you if you're at the stage where you're that one's a little bit out of my wheelhouse because I don't deal a lot with credit, but I do know the more you apply to and cancel and reapply to, it affects your credit score. So don't just like sign up for three credit cards, get the rewards, and then you know close them out six months later and sign up for three more. Especially if you're trying to buy a house or take out like a big loan soon. But what was your question again? I think it's just not more than every two years. Like in my credit score profile online, they always say like not to do inquiries more than once every two years. I just didn't know if that was backed in the financial. I honestly do not know too much about those like terms and how they affect your credit score. So don't have a good answer on that one. Sorry. No, no worries. I think that's totally fine. 
I think Kara yeah. and I, you're right, Kara. We do definitely be like, get a credit card. We love the Chase. We love the Capital One. But if someone is younger and listening to this, Kara is 26 and- 25. 25. Don't age me. Just kidding. Sorry, sorry, Just kidding. sorry, sorry. <laughs> and I'll be 27 next week. So, you know, we've been at this for a while. Yeah. And mm-hmm. definitely- are at a point where we're not just ringing up things that are out of our budget or out of our income bracket. So yeah, no, I think that was just a good preface. Like make sure you understand that that debt will follow you until you're 26 and working a job, (laughs) paying it off if you're just swiping things that you can't afford. And then there's interest. So what was a $1,000 table at Bottles is $3,500 at the end of it. So yeah, just thinking about that is important. And kind of like back to what we were talking about earlier, like finding that balance of spending and saving. I kind of want to flip it on you guys because you guys do live a pretty, I want to say fun lifestyle, but you put yourself in that position because you do, you both do a really good job of saving and you both are probably two of the most budget friendly travelers I know of. So like, I feel like your listeners and maybe you guys have already talked about this. Maybe your listeners would appreciate you guys kind of saying like how you kind of prep for like a big upcoming trip, you know, for the month or a couple months beforehand, you know, how you are budget friendly, like on those trips, because I feel like a lot of people probably listen to this podcast and a lot of my younger clients are always big into, I want to travel more. Like I want to be able to have that flexibility. So like, how do you guys put yourself in that position to, you know, be able to go where you want, be able to keep it in the budget? Yeah. Who wants to go first? You want to go first? No, it goes. It's you. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, I save so much money from not eating out as much and not going out for drinks as much. And I don't know if it's like necessarily by choice. I just like don't. Well, one, Connor has all these allergies. So we like don't go out to eat a lot. Like we just don't go on dinner dates. And that just saves me like a ton of money. Like I compared how much money I spent in New York where I would go out to eat like once or twice a week because I loved seeing all the new restaurants and like catching up with friends out there and like going out for drinks. And I'm kind of like a homebody a little bit in St. Louis. Like I probably go out like once every month or two months, like hardcore go out. So that inherently is going to save me like hundreds of dollars each month. So for me, and again, moving from New York to St. Louis, I saved so much money in rent, so much money in just like activities that I have more money to travel. So I guess for me, budgeting wise, I've just prioritized maybe not going out and doing things on a weekly basis as much to save that money to go on like a monthly or like every two to three months trip. And I think just really spark notes really quick. I think I usually save about like a thousand to $1,500 for a good trip. So that's kind of my side perspective. Cool. It's good to hear that though, because like no one sees the grind that you put in when you're in St. Louis on social media and like saving and, you know, like holding yourself back from going out to every happy hour or dinner, going out every night. And I think people to see like the social media side, like, oh, she gets to travel like all the time and she has all this money, but really it's, it's, you've put yourself in that position by like being diligent and saving and, you know, being ready for those types of trips. And I think it doesn't really get a lot of credit. Yeah. Not living in a super cool city is obviously like a bummer. But when I went to Columbia with Allison, when I was living in Williamsburg in Brooklyn, I think I had like just enough money to go to Columbia, just enough money to go to Iceland. Whereas like, cause you know, you got all those expensive your li- expenses. You're living in the most expensive city in the world. So by living in a Midwest city, I'm just going to have more money naturally, which priorities I like now putting more money towards being going to other places, like going to other places from St. Louis rather than like putting all my money towards 
living in New York City, which both are great. Mm-hmm. No hate to anyone who lives in a big city. That's awesome. Like, but you are going to pay more money to do that. Yeah. Time and place. And you experienced New York and that was obviously on your bucket list and something you can think about for the rest of your life. It was awesome. Yeah. What about you? What would you say is your budgeting, how you spend your money, all that stuff? Well, I will say when I didn't have a lot of money, which would have been the year between quitting berries and getting new wave up and going is when I budgeted way more. Cause when I was in college and working at berries, I was making way more than any college student should ever be making. And I'll be honest, I never had to budget anything. Like I could just go to Switzerland for Christmas as like a 20 year old. It was very stupid and like not think anything of it. And so then I think I had this mindset that like, I always have money. It always comes to me. Like, you know, you just manifest into your life. And so it was kind of like a wake up call after I left Barry's like, whoa, all these places don't really pay that well. Like I've kind of got to go in and look at all of my subscriptions and see what I really value here. And that year was actually so helpful for me to scale it back and going back to the value system, see what can stay and see what can go. So that's when I really got way more into thrifting. Like when I was working at Barry's, I would buy $1,000 free people hauls. Like it was my job. Didn't even think anything of it. It was so ridiculous. But now I won't spend like more than $200 at any one place like ever. Just got huge into thrifting. I don't really spend any money on beauty products. Like I'm just not really into makeup. I get my nails done, but that's it. I've never had any like work done on my face. I've had my eyebrows plucked once. Um, (laughs) I don't know, like just the beauty department. I don't really spend any money on. Um, what other categories are there? Yeah. Clay and I've been cooking a lot more and honestly not drinking and like never having ever been a stoner. I can't imagine how much money stoners spend on weed. Like that's a, that's a huge, huge money suck. Um, and then now that I haven't been drinking the last 175 days, that's been a huge savings. And my gym membership is $35. So I do love the Midwest gym. They're way cheaper than city gyms. (laughs) Yeah. Compared to like Equinox. (laughs) My $250 membership. Yeah. Uh, Well, I guess Clay's CrossFit is $250. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting to have both sides of when you are making a ton of money and then when you're not. Because had I done things maybe a, a little differently when I was in college, I probably could have... I definitely could have had even way more in savings. I'm thankful that my dad was like, whoa, you're going to get a financial advisor. Have Corey like help you out here. You don't need to be just doing $1,000 free people hauls. It's so ridiculous. So thankfully I did start the Roth, have some investment accounts, but to me that money doesn't exist. So the only money that exists to me is what is in my checking account. So I live like I'm poor all the time. Like I will sit there and be like, Ooh, I don't just don't think I can afford a matcha today, knowing that there's like all this money in my investment accounts, but it doesn't exist. But you wouldn't have all that money in your investment accounts if you didn't have that thought process. Yeah. So there's a quote, it's like live poor now so you can live rich later. So on that note, uh, I actually was going to recommend a few books that people should read. One of them is called yes. The Millionaire mm-hmm. Next Door. Have you read that, Allison? Mm-mm. So The Millionaire Next Door, it's by Thomas Stanley. But essentially what they did is they did like kind of like a case study. They, they invited pretty much a hundred millionaires to like a cocktail party and 
pretty much just socially interviewed them. And like most of the millionaires were, you wouldn't, you would have no idea they're millionaires because that you could tell they were wearing like shoes that they'd owned for a few years. They weren't wearing like thousand dollar suits and none of them were ordering these fancy drinks or snacks. They were eating like the basic like crackers and cheese. They're ordering like beers or basic cocktails. Like you could tell that they're just, they accustomed themselves to living below their means. And that's how like they got to, you know, achieve that financial freedom and status. So I guess like my point being there is you don't need to like live a flashy lifestyle to be financially independent or financially successful. And kind of like going back to what we said earlier, a lot of people that tend to look like they're more well off are really just better spenders than they are savers. Yes, that is so true. Almost all those people that you know that really do have their P's and Q's together. I mean, how do rich people get rich? They save their money. They don't spend it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, think if you have an aunt and uncle or or your parents or something, and you're like, gosh, they're just so um, miserly. And that's why they have financial freedom. Ask any of your parents or grandparents what the number one piece of advice they would give to you about investing or saving was. And I can almost bet that 90% of them will say they wish they would have started earlier. Mm-hmm. So the earlier That's you can great. get this figured out and like familiarize yourself with, you know, your budget, credit, expenses, everything, like your employee benefits, the more likely you'll put yourself up for success and give yourself a lot of flexibility down the road. You don't want to be in your like 50s and 60s trying to figure out like, how can I cram every single dollar in my bank account so I can retire on time? You want to be in your like 40s and 50s, like, okay, I'm ahead of the game. Like I have flexibility to either retire sooner or spend a lot more in retirement. And you're going to put yourself in that position by like learning earlier on or getting with a financial planner or just, you know, getting with someone in general who has that type of advice and knowledge. Uh, the Lifestyle Investor, basically this book talks about cash flow and investing for passive income. So like if you want to achieve financial freedom and you can create like multiple sources of income and find multiple sources of cash flow, like this book gives you an idea of like how to start thinking and saving for different types of assets that produce cash flow. Think like, you know, real estate or starting a side hustle or starting a blog or sell, even like writing a book. Lifestyle Investor Book will give you a good idea of like how to start thinking, you know, about putting yourself in like a financially independent position. So that's The Lifestyle Investor by Justin Donald. And then the other book I would recommend is The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. This is actually like my favorite uh, financial planning related book. It pretty much gives you a ro- like an actual roadmap to financial independence, pretty much like 70% of the topics you'll talk about with a financial planner from like budgeting to debt to saving and investing, you can get in this, the simple path to wealth with JL Collins book. Those are great. Kara, did you have any other financial related books to add to that? Um, you know, I was in a really financial planning mood on my solo trip to Maine and I have Audible, which I've had for like three months and haven't listened to any books. So I need to cancel that subscription. So, you know, just budgeting things. But I downloaded Rich Dad, Poor Dad, just like ready to hear how to be rich. And the guy reading the book was like, like he was oh, breathing no. so loud. I, I like all of a sudden I'm like, do I have misophonia? Like, am I Allison? <laughs> like, I couldn't listen to even the introduction. He was like, like between every sentence. So that's actually the worst because I do listen to Audible as well. <laughs> and I get really excited for a book and the voiceover is just terrible. So I don't even read it. <laughs> yeah. Like they had one job. Like, I know. 
one job. I'm ready to get a refund on that one. So I was going to say that one, but I didn't even get started. It was so bad. Um, but is that a good one, oh Brady? Rich Dad, yeah, Poor Dad? Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I don't know how to say his last name, but yeah, that's also a good one. How do you feel okay, about- get a different version. <laughs> uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. So Dave Ramsey is good for some people, good for others. He does a really good job of like helping budget. And he's a huge advocate of save, 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 have no debt. And that's good for some people um, because psychologically, like some people just can't sleep at night when they think like, oh, I have another car payment or another mortgage payment. But if you think about it, sometimes mathematically, it does make sense to, you know, carry some debt, whether it's on like a mortgage or... Let's just let's do a mortgage for example. If you take out a 30-year loan and in today's environment you can take it out with like 3 to 4% interest and instead of paying, you know, all that money up front for a home, you're investing all of a sudden, you know, another 1000 or $1500 a month into the stock market for 20 or 30 years. If you're confident you can beat that 3 to 4%, which is pretty low, then there's mathematically a difference there that you made money by investing and kind of taking on debt. Now, Dave mm-hmm. Ramsey's thing is, well, what if you lose your job and you don't have anything in the bank account? How are you going to pay that off? Then you put yourself in a deep hole. So if you're going to go like the mathematical route, make sure you have like an adequate emergency fund, like you've got enough saved up in your bank account, you know, because if, if shit does hit the fan and you don't have like a savings or a second income or a spouse that works, that's how you put yourself in a hole. And that's what he's a big advocate of. I mean, think about 2020. Think how many people that happened to. A lot of people ended up in a really bad position. And I think it's a good wake-up call to be like, wow, I would really like to never experience that again. Yeah. Think about how many people were relying on money from the government. Like, I mean, fortunately, a lot of people I know were able to put themselves in a situation to avoid, you know, relying on the government. But just to me, imagine being in that situation because you, you know, didn't really, you weren't proactive about it. You were kind of reactive. And imagine if the government wasn't helping, like where you would have been. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to say hate on people that took out a ton of unemployment, but there is some personal pride that you can take and be like, wow, I'm really proud of myself that I was on top of things and I worked hard and I earned stuff for myself and I didn't have to take thousands of dollars from someone else. Don't you, don't you feel like there's some pride in that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think a lot of people actually had this is going to sound terrible, but like had good years during COVID because they had more time to like think and like focus on themselves and, you know, whether it was their business or their job or like their career or just like their personal life in general. So like, even though the COVID year was pretty much a blank in most people's uh, lifetimes, I think it did help a lot of people kind of realign like their goals, their values, like you know, even financially, like if they experienced, you know, a pretty tough year, like they learned from that. So, yeah. Yeah. Moving forward and what you can change and how to do better in the future. Exactly. I was thinking, oh, Oh, sorry. (laughs) I have so many thoughts about finances, but (laughs) wait, earlier you said you need to either find a way to spend less money or to make more money. Mm -hmm. And I think we, I would love to have a little segment on making more money, but I quickly want to touch on the biggest thing that helped me was to stop working an hourly job. I felt like when I was working an hourly job, I could never, ever get ahead. I would calculate everything that I wanted to do in life and be like, okay, if I work 30 hours and I'm making $15 an hour, this is only how far I can ever get ahead. And then if I wanted to buy something, let's say you're like, okay, going out to dinner with your friends, I would have to think like, okay, this dinner is costing three hours of my job. 
which that might be only your Thursday shift at your part-time job. So trying to have that mindset when you're spending is, is that shirt worth six hours of my paycheck? Mm -hmm. Probably not. But once you can get out of working an hourly job, I really think that's when gains can happen. Do you feel that way? I think it's a really good point where you brought up like comparing, you know, any of your expenses to, you know, how many hours of work is it going to take me to pay for, you know, what I'm spending my money on? I think that's a really cool example. Like I, I think it's really good for everyone to have a good idea of like what their hourly rate is and kind of, it gives you a good like benchmark on, you know, just like irregular expenses, like deciding like if you want to go out to the bars and spend, you know, $80 on drinks, like, you know, that's six hours of work. Um, but yeah, getting out of the hourly job, I mean, there's nothing wrong with people who work hourly, but once you start to identify kind of like your knowledge experience and I guess like your work experience and your kind of like objectives with your work and you're getting paid more for the type of work you're doing versus like the hours you're there. I think that just mentally puts you in a better position financially because like, you know what you need to and don't need to get done in a certain like week or day because a lot of the salary jobs, they're paying you to like get your work done. They're not paying you to sit there for 10 hours a day and do the same monotonous thing. And once you have a good idea of like where your role is and what your values are, I guess with work, it kind of gives you an idea of like what you could be making by taking a step forward and either looking at like a new career or a new job or starting a business or a side hustle. Yeah. It's more tangible. You working harder can get you somewhere. Yes. More. Like at an hourly job, if you're making 12 and then you only get up to 13, like it's, it's not, your effort isn't yielding as much to where if you're in a high salaried position and you're at a point where you can ask for 5,000 extra the next year, that that's just a, a much bigger opportunity. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's almost easier like negotiate, you know, whether it's your salary or your salary or hourly rate, always try to like, remember like when you first take on your job, like what are your roles and responsibilities? And now that you've been there for a year or two years or five years, like what additional have you taken what additional work have you taken on and like what additional responsibilities do you have and like leverage that when you're having conversations with like your boss or your HR manager, because if you have a good idea of like where, like how you've kind of evolved and developed in your role, that gives you so much more like buying power to negotiate your salary. And if it's a toxic environment and you're not getting what you feel like you deserve, then you can shop it around and look at like other careers or industries or jobs or companies in your industry. So it's also kind of like a random thought I just, that you kind of brought to me. So that's a good point. Yeah. That would be such a good episode to talk about like salaries and how to negotiate because I've seen so many TikToks about that and it's just so interesting. But also, yeah, I think you should definitely, it's a great tip, Allison. Even if you are on a salary, like calculate your hourly rate that you're making on your salary job and see if the things that you're buying are even worth like, what that hourly rate is for that salary job. I think that's a good tip. Thank you. It's something I used ever since I was like 16. I would look at something and be like, is that worth a six hour shift? Hell no, Mm -hmm. I can't buy that. Yeah. Make it tangible. I want to ask Brady one other question, kind of related to finances, kind of not. Um, And then we can do our signature question if that works. Brady's really good at networking and going out and making connections. I feel like that's why you're thriving as a 27 year old 
financial advisor, like you're always getting new clients, like you're always just killing it and meeting new people. And I feel like that's such an important skill to have because like you, not necessarily you, but you could not even be like the best on pen and paper financial advisor. Maybe there's someone else out there that's like really smarter than you, but like you're killing it because you're going out there and putting yourself out there. Like what advice do you have for that, for networking? I would say networking, kind of like what you just said, that's how I got to where I am today. And the earlier you can do it, whether like you're still in college or just graduating, the better. And I guess the the more opportunities you'll come across down the road. So like, for example, the guy who I networked with, uh, the CEO of the financial firm in St. Louis, that's how I became a financial planner. He helped me figure out like, this is your calling. Like, this is what we do. This is like where your strengths um, and abilities are. and I honestly would not have probably became a financial advisor if I didn't network because I, I literally had no idea what I wanted to do. But like whether you're working or starting a business, having a strong network is going to really help you grow and you're going to have like more resources available to you if you need to find someone who is good at marketing or good at, you know, being an attorney or really anyone that can help you grow your business or your your personal career, especially like if you're looking for jobs like people that are salaried or have an hourly job, feel like networking is kind of pointless. Well, you never know like who you're out there meeting with that's at a company that's you know aggressively hiring right now, or they're a new tech company and they're bringing on a lot of employees and there's like equity potential. Like there's just so many opportunities out there from just like putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation and talking to people. And you don't always have to talk about work. Like if you're at an event or somewhere that you don't know anybody, just Ask them, you know, ask them about their day or where they got their shirt. If you think they have a cool shirt, like people ultimately want to help people they like. And if you are genuinely a good person and just want to know about another person and like what their aspirations and background and history is like, there's a pretty high chance they're going to be willing to help you at some point down the road. That was going to be my follow-up comment is maybe you're not looking for that next job right now, but in eight years when you happen to move across the country to some city and then you knew that one person from that one event, that's a touch point that you could reach out to. Exactly. Yeah. I did want to ask him a few quick things before we go to our signature question. Um, Just how does someone know that they should hire a financial planner and just explain how that process works? So when I guess a good point to like figure out if you need a financial planner, I would say the first thing is like start with your budget. If you can get your budget squared away, great. Let's move on to the next step. And then look at like your employee benefits. Do you need to set up a retirement plan? Do you have one available? If you don't have one available, maybe it's worth talking to a financial planner to get one set up because if if a company doesn't offer you like a 401k or a retirement plan, you can go out and set one up on your own. So that's a good opportunity. I would just say in general, if like you're questioning, you know, employee benefits or your budget or getting like an insurance policy, taxes, those are all really good opportunities to either get with a financial planner or an accountant or someone who's experienced in those fields. Um, one thing I was going to mention too, like when you're looking for a financial planner, you might pay a little bit more if you look for a certified financial planner, which is what I have. But to become a licensed financial advisor, you technically only have to get a couple of exams, which can take like anywhere from three to nine months, which if you think about it, it's kind of scary that you could literally just go become a financial advisor in less than a year and tell people what to do with their life savings, with their taxes, their investments. The certified financial planner designation, on the other hand, 
takes, you know, three years to get. You have to have experience working with people in investments, taxes, insurance, retirement, like business planning. It's not like you can just go out and get it. Like you have to actually have experience doing it. So if you want like a better chance of getting holistic and probably more accurate advice, try to find a CFP, a certified financial planner. And that will probably put you a couple steps ahead of any other advisor you're meeting with. And then what was the next question? Um, how someone should go about finding one. How should you find a financial planner? Generally speaking, I would lean towards asking for a referral. So ask you know, someone in your family or a friend if they know someone they're working with that they trust and already have experience with. That's a good starting point. And then once you meet with them, just ask them questions like, how do they get paid? What is their experience working with clients like, you know, me, Allison, a business owner, you know, I'm 26 and, you know, I have all these tax problems. I'm trying to figure out how to structure my business. Like, do you work with clients like me? This guy might say, well, I work mostly with, you know, doctors or tech employees. Like, I'm not really that well versed to help you. And that's good for her to know, like, I should look for someone else. Um, So just ask questions, make sure they're a good fit for you. If you don't have any referrals or anyone that you could think of, you can always literally go to the CFP board, like the Certified Financial Planner website, and you can find you know dozens or hundreds of CFPs in your area. And that's also a good way to find someone that's well-versed in, like, like I said earlier, all the areas of finance rather than just investments or just insurance. Do they ever decline people? Financial planners? Mm-hmm. Yes. So some financial planners will decline you. It's got to be a good mutual fit. So... Some have certain minimums that they're going to charge or they have certain hourly rates that might be out of your budget. I mean, financial planners can get paid on so many different ways. It's honestly kind of confusing. So make sure you ask like, you know, what are your fees? What are your minimums? If you just want to meet with a financial advisor once, try to find a financial advisor that has like an hourly pro, like an hourly rate or just like a one-time planning fee because they are out there. And that way you don't have to commit yourself to like a long-term relationship. I think... I think a lot of people think that hiring a financial planner is like a long-term commitment and it is in some cases, but if you just want like a financial checkup, like an annual review, like you go to your primary care physician every year, you can find financial planners that will charge you an hourly rate, review everything, make sure your ducks are in a row and then point out like any red flags or gaps or opportunities for you. If someone were to do more of that long-term route, like let's say they have a pretty stable job, they have good money coming in and they're thinking more about heavy investments and wanted to have that long-term relationship, what are a few quick ways that the financial planner would then pay themselves and in the way that even though they're paying you, it would still greatly pay off in the long run for the client? Yeah. So there's a few ways advisors can get paid. One is they can charge a commission, which is a little bit outdated, but basically they charge a commission for like any trade they make or any investment purchase in the account. Um, some advisors will charge like a fee for managing the account, whether it's you know a percentage of the assets under management, it might be like a fixed monthly rate. And then some planners will just charge an hourly rate based on like how many hours out of the year are they working for you and managing your account. So I guess there's no right answer for every single person. Like if you're looking for a long-term relationship with an advisor, I would just think of it as, you know, how much are they helping grow my investments every year? Like how much are they reducing my taxes? And you should be able to get a good idea of like, you know, if my account grew this much percent this year and it grew $10,000 and he helped me save, you know, $1,500 of taxes and he charged me, you know, two grand. Well, 
technically he saved me, you know, nine grand of money back in my pocket. So mathematically it makes sense. Totally worth it. Cause you wouldn't have been able to do that on your own. Correct. And I hate throwing like numbers out in a podcast, but just ask the planner, like what it, you know, can you remind me like, what all did you help me with this year? Like what progress have we made? And they'll, you know, either send you a report or visually to show you like, here's what we did, why we did it. And then here's how much you paid us. Always make sure you know how much you're paying your advisor. Cause some people will shelter and keep it a secret and it should not be a secret. You should always know what you're paying them, how they're getting paid. Is there anything hidden, et cetera. And an accountant, I would say the same thing. Yep. Same with an accountant. All right. Kara, I think we're ready. Great. All right, Brady. Signature question time to you. What makes a good friend? What makes a good friend? I think my closest friends are the ones that I know if I don't, you know, talk to them for a month or two or three months that I can expect to hear from them before I reach out to them. I think it's your best, your closest friends. It's a two-way street. You don't have to always be on top of them. Like they're most likely always thinking about you and whether you don't hear from them for a month or two or three, you can, you can count on them to reach back out and stay in touch with you at some point. That's a good answer, especially for people our age where you're maybe not talking and seeing each other as often as you were in high school or college. Yeah. And I think people forget to like most people under 35 are focused on their career. Like they're getting in serious relationships, having kids, like it's nothing personal. It's, it's just, we're all getting caught up and we're becoming adults and there's other priorities. Yeah. You become your own priority. Absolutely. Well, that was fantastic. I really hope people can take that and apply it to their situation. But you're for hire, right? Can they hire you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm up for hire. Uh, I can't. Sounds like, like a murder. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, at the end of the day, like you don't want to meet with your financial planner and feel like you're going to the dentist. Like you want it to be a social relationship. You want to feel comfortable talking to them. Like I would say all of my clients will out of the blue call me or text me or reach out just to talk about stuff non-financial related. And I feel like that's the type of relationship you should have because the more comfortable you are with your financial planner, the easier it is to talk to them about like, you know, your frustrations, your issues. So don't, don't rush into a relationship with a financial planner until you feel like that level of comfort with them. Right. Cause you're going to have to tell them about your weed habit or your shopping <laughs> addiction or all the debt that you have. It's exactly. pretty personal. Yeah. So yeah. And I mean, it's just easier to have those types of conversations when you like have that sense of trust and kind of like that friendship. So. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. I know that you said you had a very long work day, so (laughs) I'll let you get out of here. Getting ready for my next, uh, my next travels. So. There you go. Where are you headed? Dallas and Austin, Texas. Is this for fun or for work? It is for fun and for work. So going to see some friends and then meet with a couple clients and then we actually our whole company is taking a trip to Austin for a few days so it'll be a fun time nice well I hope you enjoy it thank you so much for coming on yeah thank you guys for having me all right and that was another episode of already friends we'll catch you next time bye see ya Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Already Friends. It means the world to us that you are listening, liking, subscribing, and following us on Instagram. We are really trying to build up our rating in Apple Podcasts. So if you could leave a review, 
We are a review and a rating. We are doing a giveaway at the end of the year for AirPod Pros. So Kara is going to tell you how you can enter that giveaway. Yes. So to be entered into this giveaway, you need to leave a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. Go ahead and click five-star, write a little snippet about what you're enjoying about the podcast, and then screenshot that and send it to our Instagram at we're already friends. That way you'll be entered. We'll see it. And yeah, we're doing the drawing at the end of the year. So again, thank you for your support. It really means the world to us and it lets us keep doing what we're doing. Yes. Thank you guys so much. We'll catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.